0: Hello and welcome to in search of tracks podcast. We're gonna go back in time today. My name is Pete. My name is Bob. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. Um, I was literally on phone calls up until getting on the phone with you here or the, uh, the, the podcast here with you. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel like I'm just on another call and I feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit, but it's all good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Has, Has it been a, uh, busy? Has, has
1: work been busy?
0: Yeah, summer tends to slow down, um, but I'm working for myself now, and I like to be busy, I guess. So I just... It's all my own fault. I just take on more than I can actually manage, and uh, I think that's a good problem to have, so I'm okay with it. It's a good problem to have. It's good. Now,
1: um, because some people come here for the tracks, and some people come here for the snacks. Did you have any good snacks today?
0: Oh, man. Um, I had a box of Girl Scout cookies that I specifically hid in my office. So my wife didn't know that they existed Mm. and those ran out today. Oh, So I had my, I had my final cookie and now I got to find a new secret snack. So that's my next mission for the rest of the week.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's get on that. Um, (laughs) Did you? uh, I did not have any secret snacks today. I had um, unfortunate Turn of events, um, I have, uh, um, so typically my daughter goes to daycare Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in stuff happened at the daycare, so uh, no one in her class can go in for the next week and a half or some silly nonsense. Okay. But um, yeah, it's all good. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's safe. No, no worries there. But, um, but so I don't have my solo time. Got like, it solo no 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 um, <laughs> so my snack opportunities are limited what did I eat did I eat anything delicious today um, I did uh, my son is going to a surf camp which is really cool pick him oh, up Oh, that's at, fun yeah next two weeks pick him up at noon so we stop and usually we stop and grab lunch uh, today he wanted grilled cheese and soup so I made that at home Uh, We did stop to get some of that good cheese. And uh, while I was there, we did get a brownie. Very good. Um, They made a mistake, though, Pete. They made a mistake. Pretty standard brownie. Very moist. Really appreciate it. A little thicker than most brownies, which I liked. Pete, do you know what one of my... Look, it's not going to get you kicked out of bed, (laughs) <laughs> but I'm gonna kind of look at you sideways when you do it. Chocolate chips in brownies? Why? Ah, it's chocolate enough. It's all chocolate. Why? You just want it for the texture.
0: I feel you. I I don't <sighs> mind that that much. I, I don't but, but mind. But I feel is, you. I'm just like it's. It's, it's more some, of a texture thing.
1: It's it's someone in a uh, bedroom scenario going. No, the socks stay on like okay i mean you can do that if you want but like that's you know I'm like like, like it's if it's it might be something that i remember like oh yeah the brownies at that place they put chocolate chips in there i'm not i mean if somebody's gonna give one to me for free i'm not gonna say no but it's like oh yeah that's they wore socks all the time <laughs> weird you know so um so i don't decent, mind the socks hey I don't mind them. But I don't it's mind notable. the socks.
0: I don't, I don't mind the chocolate chips. I'm I'm You're I'm easygoing well, about. I, that stuff.
1: I'm, I'm I'm here for it. I'm down. I'm down to play. But like I'm just saying, if if you, um, if the socks are coming off, but they say no, no, <laughs> leave the socks on. I'm like, huh, okay, that's, that's <laughs> something. Uh, Pete, what are we doing today?
0: I don't even know what we're doing. So today we are going to. Um, it's it's like a new version. It's 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 going to be like a new kind of sub theme of the podcast that I think we're going to revisit a few times over the next couple of months, probably maybe over the next couple of year or years. But sure. um, we prior to In Search of Tracks, this podcast was called It Came from New Jersey. Um, the theme of that podcast was more or less the same. I mean, we were dissecting records in a similar way that we do on this podcast, but... Um the conceit was kind of that uh all of the bands and albums that we talked about had to come from New Jersey. Um so we switched the name of the podcast so that we could kind of be more open ended about it and also ha- kind of developed kind of a more thorough way I think of going through the records and rating them and all of this. So For sure. Um the idea here is that we're going to quickly talk about the first it came from New Jersey episode that we ever did, which was about the Gaslight Anthem album, um, the 59 sound and kind of revisit, you know, what we said in that podcast, how we felt about the record. If those feelings have changed, if we've gone back to the record, you know, kind of what's happened since we Mm -hmm. recorded that, because that was a while ago and then hopefully, you know, We'll 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 maybe once a month, maybe uh, every couple months. We'll revisit another. It came from New Jersey episode, and uh, I'll be sure to tack the original original episode, episode to the end of this. So if you yeah, haven't heard that episode, you can check it out.
1: Yeah, we're we're pretty proud of the even. Th- this is our very very first episode. I think. Um, I'm still happy with it. I liked it. Um the yeah. episode that is. Uh
0: I'm really glad I got a microphone also <laughs> because you <laughs> sounded so clear and I just I sounded like I was screaming into the void from like outside the window or something. But
1: well, you know, th- those things those <laughs> things take time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but I think part of it also was when we worked out the newer rating system too. Yeah. Because there's elements of this where when we were doing it, we were giving it like out of five stars and that was cool. But it also, sometimes it's, it was hard for me to decipher where I would place something. Sure. Whereas now it just like, here's the number, here's where I come out on it when I'm breaking all these elements down. And I largely feel good about it. When I come to that end result, I'm like, Hmm, okay. Sometimes I feel like I like a record more, but, but there's a lot of factors that go into something. You know when you're actually talking about it and bringing it down, and um, yeah, I think this one's going to be a great one. I was glad for the revisit because that's also part of this is that music that you listen to. You know, we're we're listening to these records. We say academically, oh, this ain't no school, but we're listening to them with with purpose, with like uh, a reason, and and how much you enjoy it, and how much. Do you go back to it? Have you gone back to it purely on a like, oh, I just want to throw on some music. Uh, maybe I'll throw a song on a playlist, etc., etc. Have we done that? Um, and then actually to revisit it in the same mindset, is it hitting you the same way? Um, and so, Pete, Gaslight Anthem, first and foremost, it was our very first episode. Mm-hmm. We were pretty generous.
0: Yeah. I think we were. I mean one of the things that we try to do here and we still try to do is be completely honest about how we feel about the record, but at the same time, give it the credit it deserves where we think, you know, it deserves that credit. So like Mm -hmm. just being really straight about what we don't like, what we do like. And I think we were a little bit sensitive on the first episode, just because particularly because I think the, the, kind of regionalism of it too absolutely because it was new jersey because we've even like walked in similar circles to these guys you don't want to just tear a thing apart it's it's not nice it's not productive no Um, and
1: and especially coming out of the gates first episode of a podcast and you're doing it about this band's record now let's let's also put a, 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 a real you know shovel in the ground here Gaslight Anthem are doing fine, whether we love their ass or they hate, we hate their 100%. ass. A hundred percent. They're fine
0: without us. But they're playing the PNC Bank Art <laughs> Center down the road from me in, in a few months. They're they're doing fine.
1: And so all that said, you still don't want to come out on some like hater energy of a podcast and i don't want to do that now we never want to yeah. have that kind of like we want to give things an honest open chance and and i feel good about that and i feel like we really really do that even the records we end up not liking um this record was one we were open to generous to kind when we spoke about it and and getting our footing with what we wanted to do with this podcast Pete, let me just ask you flat out. Have you revisited this record before we did for this exercise?
0: I have not and in fact, I revisited it for this exercise and did not even recognize some of the songs um just from uh, what a year and a half ago that we recorded oh, I mean, that. It was, so, it, was
1: it, it actually, you know what's crazy? I think it was a lot longer ago than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe 2 years, yeah. I'm going to have to find it. But um We started, this was a COVID era podcast. Oh, that's right. So February 2020. It was probably almost exactly two years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We actually started not due to COVID. We started before it just coincided. True. Um, How about that? So um, I have not revisited it. I have thought about it. And I remember I might have revisited it a few months after just to like throw a track on to see how I felt about it. Mm Mm-hmm. When I did for this listen, I did have some thoughts. Pete, this is this is just pop music, right? Like can we just say that? Is that fair?
0: I mean, I I think there's elements of pop, um but I actually my realization was kind of on a different level. But go in go into what you're thinking. So
1: I don't mean that in some derogatory way. I mean it in the yeah, same yeah. way that Bruce Springsteen's pop music. No, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like I want to say that, or at least like an attempt at being popular music. Mm-hmm. I'm more favorable to the thing, which is this record, than when I'm trying to pretend that it's some sort of subculture. Like these are all sure. folks from subculture. You just said it. They're playing the PNC art. That's the giant, like, hey, you can get lawn tickets for this event. <laughs> right Um, yeah exactly they're giving them out on the radio yeah yeah like this is you know like they're doing great that's where the big radio rock concerts play in our area um and if i look at it through that lens i feel i feel some warmth towards some of it but if i try to frame it in this underground way, I, I just feel dishonest to be really, to be, to be clear. I, I sure. think that they were a band who came from the underground and this record was a hit and it should be looked at as popular music. You know, I don't feel shitty about that. It's just like,
0: no, it's what, not what a we disc, call it? yeah. it's like
1: post post. It's none of that. It's a fucking rock record.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean that, that makes sense to me. Um, I will say, so I re-listened to the the episode and I kept kind of leaning on, you know, they're pulling from Petty, they're pulling from Springsteen, they're pulling from all these things. And but then there's like this kind of hot word music underground feel to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't take any of that back. I think particularly some of the production choices on the vocals were very Springsteen. Um Other things were very, you know, particularly the lyrical content and kind of the vibe Mm -hmm. I think is pulling from Petty and Springsteen and all these guys. But you in the episode mentioned Jimmy world and I think the killers too. And you're like, you're like, you know, they fall to me closer to that. And I was kind of resistant to that in the episode, but I'll say I listened to it this time. And just did this exercise where I was like, all right, take the vocals and just the aesthetic of this band off the table and just listen to the guitars and the drums. Like, what does that sound like? And I actually think you're, you're right, but I would, I would get more specific. Jimmy world always felt super slick to me. So, and the killers felt super slick, but I would say like that kind of indie meets rock. Yep world of like get up kids saves the day even like alkaline trio sure sure like they fall right in that camp and then the the vocals are more like springsteen slash like if we want to talk about underground ish bands like social distortions so just like talking about classic cars and cowboys and taillights and nashville like mm-hmm. that kind of vibe that's that's actually the part that completely takes me out. Yes. I just yes. I, have, yes. I, have, yes. I have I have I, I have I
1: have similar notes.
0: Yeah, I have like no place for classic cars, cowboys, taillights, Nashville, Elvis, suitcases, whatever. <laughs> like, Sailor tattoos. Yeah, I just I I don't care. I just I can't even pretend to care. Um so as a result, like I am just I'm never gonna be a fan because that's just like not what I vibe with, but at the same time, the music itself, you know, I like the get up kids. I like saves the day. I like alkaline trio. I like Hot Water music. Um, I even, I don't dislike the gaslight anthem, but like the, the lyrical content and the vibe of some of those bands is something that I can ride with much quicker than I can ride with these guys. So that's ultimately like my, 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 I guess, problem with it and why I'm not ultimately a fan. But yeah. I think you, I think you were right in your estimation of like, where like how they actually sound as a band. Because yeah. I was, I think I was just kind of like, like distracted by like all, all the Springsteen references the, and stuff.
1: These, like, well, because they they make these points of references. They're really pointing at this, like Bruce Springsteen. There's just Tom Petty lyrical references. There's Dylan stuff. There's all this Americana. They're they're really trying to do this whole thing. It's like classic rock, America, the 60s, the 59 sound, cars, etc. Yo, in the songs, I mean, the song Old White Lincoln, I, sp- I specifically zoned that one in on this listen. Um, I don't even know if we were doing track by tracks. On
0: no, we didn't.
1: These dudes are definitely looking at the success of The Killers and Jimmy Eat World. I'm sure even stuff like Alkaline Trio because I think when this record came out, something like Alkaline Trio was still like pie in the sky compared to where they were.
0: No, but Alkaline Trio were big that. at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they signed a to a major oh, like right yeah. at this
1: point. Yeah, and then they were hoping for a little of that and and saying, hey, this is kind of where we're going. So I, I don't say I say that kind of analytically, like, hey, you know, I think you hear that. You noted on something else that's, um. <laughs> uh, not to my taste uh some of the points of references are written in a way that i could i guess could inspire nostalgia in some people mm-hmm. um or inspire a barf emoji in others Yo, yo <laughs> slap a barf emoji on my face here uh yeah lyrics uh, you may mention some of it some of the sailor tattoos etc i'm like oof Yo, I don't care. You could be covered in sailor tattoos. If you say the word sailor tattoos to me and look away like wistfully, when you <laughs> look back, there'll be a cloud of dust because I'm moving myself <laughs> as far away from you as I possibly can. I swear to you. I don't want to hear you talk about sailor tattoos. Um, but I, I think that... And, and I also think that this was written in a time where that kind of nostalgia or romanticizing is taken a lot differently than it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, like to be honest, <laughs> you know, when you go through, comb through this stuff, um, there's a lot of that that could be taken out of context and people could be like, mm, is that what you mean? Eh, you know, and, uh, I, I, I'm not trying to put that on, on them at all. I think, I think they were going for this thing that quite often rock music is referential and, and like self referential as right. a genre, and it's kind of neat. It's kind of cool. I like some of that callback stuff. There's a lot of it, a little too much for my taste, and then some of the stuff they're pointing at, just oh. Um, yeah. What I did think, and I kind of hit this, I think the song High Lonesome does it well. When they actually pull on influences that are less like Bruce classic rock, but more like 80s new wave post punk dancey elements you know like you could even say like late 70s post stuff like Gang of Four even but just sure. those they have a little bit more of a dancey element in the their percussion I actually really like that um yeah. they don't do it a lot on this record but when they do I'm like okay cool I'm I'm here for it I think they're still you know it's cool um
0: Yeah there's definitely moments of this record that stick with me I mean the song the 59 sound has you actually been more or less stuck in my head since i heard it Uh, yeah yo
1: it's a undeniably catchy song like it's a very good song even for non-fans like i think if you listen to it you'll be like oh okay even if you're like i don't like this you can understand the appeal to someone for sure
0: absolutely yeah
1: um my last comment here uh they try to do some rock album trope stuff and my question is why why <laughs> um the blues blues rocky changed a pace song yeah which on this record is even cowgirls get the blues yeah yo that song
0: sucks yeah it sucks it sucks
1: Drop that song it. on 99 percent of rock records that try to do it fucking sucks yep it's not even a terrible attempt at it on this record, I just don't understand they could have i i I think on my list I was like mm, record's a bit long if they didn't do that and they pulled a few of these elements out they just it just didn't need to do that you don't need to do it you don't need to do it guys Pete, what else you got on this record?
0: I don't have much honestly I mean that was my big uh my big reveal was just i I think I was too focused on the Bruce Springsteen stuff, um, particularly the localism. And I think, you know, just to, I don't even know that I need to put a finer point on this, but I think it's just, we mentioned in the episode, we grew up in a similar area. I grew up in a very, very close area to where these guys grew up. Um, and just the, the, the fact that I know that, you know, there's not much of like a cowboy thing going on. And (laughs) like, like I just, I don't even know where like the nostalgia for like Nashville comes from when you're like from this area. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, his dad was a huge Elvis fan and all this. I I don't know, but it's just for me, I feel like there's usually common reference points that you have when you grow up in a similar area to someone. And the fact that all this stuff is there, I'm just like, what's going on here? So maybe that turned me off. Additionally, you know, particularly being that I have like no kind of feeling for any of that stuff as we discussed. So yeah, No. that's I, it. Um, I think in one extra note, though, was just not so much about the Gaslight Anthem, but in listening to that first episode, you know, we had like a whole side conversation about the traveling willberries. Did we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's it's cool. funny. Yeah. And then we ended, we ended up covering it. So uh, it. And, and
1: people have said that's one of their favorite episodes. Do, do you go through and do ratings? Because I did.
0: Uh, I didn't, but I can do it on the fly. Let's, Let's go. do
1: it on the fly. Holistic quality of the Gaslight Anthem, the 59 sound, uh, out of 20. I gave it a 13 out of 20.
0: Okay. I'm going to split the difference and give it a 10.
1: Okay. Highs, the highs of this record, out
0: of 10. I'm going to give it an 8 because uh, the highs can be high. I mean, like I said, the 59 sound, super catchy, great mm-hmm. song. Um, there are other songs on this record that I really liked. Um, so yeah, I'll give it to it. Give it I
1: to it. I gave it a seven. Okay. Similar, similar idea. The the 59 sound is pretty catchy. Um, the lows out of 10, I gave it a two. The lows are pretty low.
0: I was going to go for two. Yeah.
1: Competency or peer review. I think the competency on this record is really high. Peer review. I don't really know who you would sh- slot this band in as far as a peer with. Um, you know, they they weren't necessarily, they didn't have like a whole scene of, I mean, that's one of the things that's cool about them is they're sort of singular in their sound. They're not as good as Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I like the Killers more. Um, I think they're better than, I don't know, they're in the same ballpark as the Jimmy Eat World, but they can play their instruments and everything sounds good. So I give it an eight.
0: Okay. I'm unfamiliar with their peer group, I think, because I'm just kind of not a fan of a lot of it. Like I think of you mentioned the killers. I'm thinking even just like on their level at the time, like maybe an against me or something. Um, and that's just never been like my vibe. So, um, they're definitely competent. You know, again, the record has super high highs, so I'm going to give it a six. Cool. Uh,
1: drag factor out of 10. Um, I gave it a four. It drags. It's just a little long, when you yeah. revisit
0: um no i'm gonna give it a three I, I i thought that when we first did it i i think i was a little bit too nice about how it just like kind of breezes by because it does kind of slog at certain points
1: flow out of 10 i, I give it a six i think it flows reasonably well i think the second half of the record dips off and there's a couple low points and it, otherwise it it moves reasonably well from song to song yeah i'll give it a six Aesthetic out of ten. This is where I, I don't care for it very much. Four out of yeah, ten.
0: I gave it a two.
1: Impact and influence out of ten. I thought this was a little hard actually. Um, I think it was a really big record. <clears throat> I can't think of many bands who went and tried to sound like this, but it still was notable, and certainly locally it's notable. I gave yep. it a six out of ten.
0: I'll give it a four. Yeah, I mean like I don't know. They they obviously got really big. People like them. They influence people. Um, I just I don't know what that is or what that looks like. Um,
1: I actually we, think they, there w- there was a moment in the New Brunswick world where there was a kind of like attempt for bands to become the next
0: gaslight anthem. And sure,
1: that's a, that's an unfortunate set of circumstances.
0: I imagine. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to me though, like to your point, and this is not a diss, like when you get to a certain certain level of notoriety like maybe you it just seems like the the people who are listening to the gaslight anthem that i know in new jersey are people that i see at the bar who are like blue collar guys that don't play music you know so it's like it's more just kind of your average like rock and roll fan as opposed to like musicians trying to like push boundaries and write songs yeah but i don't know I yeah. could be totally out of touch there. I so. I think
1: I think you're I think the average Gaslight Anthem fan is uh not necessarily always trying to do a band. I think they're enjoying their beer. Yeah. Uh intangibles, etc. Yeah, uh, it's a 3 for me. Um doesn't stick with me. Wasn't I don't have a nostalgia for it. Track or two that are catchy, but largely um file it in the pop music that I think is pretty neat category. And I, I find myself more warm towards it. If you try to give it anything beyond that, we're just in different parts of the airplane.
0: Yeah. I gave it a four just because I feel like something about this caught on other bands similar to them. Didn't, I may not know who those bands are, but they're probably still playing the fest in Florida. Um, <sighs>
1: Yeah. Uh, so that brings me to a total of 53 out of 100, which, Ooh. if I'm being real, that feels about right. Okay. I'm at a 45. Feels about right.
0: Yeah. Feels good.
1: With that said, uh, without further ado, enjoy the original presentation of It Came From New Jersey, AKA Proto in Search of Tracks. <laughs> For your listening uh, enjoyment.
0: It came from New Jersey. Episode 1 is our first official episode. Um, We had an episode before this. It was just kind of an introduction. Episode 0. Just giving you kind of insight into what Bob and I are going to be talking about. Um, Bob, what's going on?
1: Not much, Pete. Thanks for for doing the preamble. I I appreciate it. And so, uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to our episode 0 and introduce ourselves, talk about the general gist of this... Uh, This is a music podcast about music that maybe you could have guessed from the name, came from New Jersey. Uh, There's a lot of it and a lot of different stuff. And Pete, what are we talking about today?
0: So today we're going to be talking about the Gaslight Anthem album um, called The 59 Sound, which we chose, I think, because, you know, it's... It's in both of our wheelhouses. It's, you know, familiar territory for both of us, but it's also something that neither of us were familiar with at all. Um, So, you know, we thought that it would make for an interesting discussion.
1: Absolutely. I think that it was kind of a fun jumping off point for us and a jumping on point, hopefully for people who will be interested in this uh, podcast. So uh, I think that's a great place to start is that this is generally speaking... Uh, in a world of music that we are both familiar with. However, the record is something that neither of us had heard before, um, if not in the briefest, you know, note here or there. So, before we get into the whole thing, because we're going to go through, we're going to give you some information about the record, this, that, and the other. Um, was there anything going into this that you were most curious about?
0: I was most curious about how much it would align with like where I come from. Right. So like I grew up playing punk rock music and I knew that this kind of came from that, but I also know that they're a much bigger band than that at this point, right? Like they've kind of transcended the kind of the punk, you know, underground thing and they're playing much bigger venues and, you know, obviously appealing to a much larger audience at this point. So I didn't really know how much crossover there would be or, you know, if, if what I was hearing would sound familiar or not. Um,
1: well, and, and to and say what you're saying, I think was, is there going to be a disconnect from my experience to this one?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I think that's, that's probably in a curiosity way, and we'll get into a kind of our presumptions uh, later, but in a, what I was most curious about thinking about this record was, <sighs> is this for me? And that's a question that I'll kind of circle back to at some point because there's oftentimes when, you know, given age or, or this type of stuff you're into, something can be not just competent, not just well done, not just well constructed, but doesn't feel like you're the person it's for, and that can make it kind of feel far apart. So um, we'll get into it because I, I ended up at a very different place. So where do we want to start here, Pete?
0: Let's start with, um, I guess, where it actually came from.
1: Yeah, we're, we're kind of geographic here. So where did it come from?
0: Yeah, so um, I know that Brian Fallon, I believe, grew up in Fairhaven, which is actually really close to where I grew up. Um,
1: yeah, like like the town over, right?
0: Literally the town over um, from Rumsen, New Jersey, and um, I uh, I thought that was interesting because that to me kind of adds this whole other layer of you know I actually know like specifically where this person grew up and like what that experience is you know so right um, outside of that though I mean for me I know that they played a lot of New Brunswick basements I know that they. You know, kind of ran with a lot of people that I'm actually familiar with. I actually rem- remember um, running into Brian Fallon, and I think around 2011, I was practicing at Red Bank rehearsal, and I was with a friend of mine um, who had actually toured um, opening up for The Gaslight Anthem at that point. And uh, it was just interesting because I, you know, was talking to this guy, had no idea what his music sounded like, but knew that they were popular. Um, he was a very nice fella. Um, but uh, it's just, it's one of those things where you run in circles, you know, I mean, Jersey is a small place, so right. big bands, small bands. I mean, everybody has their Bruce Springsteen story. Everybody's run into him at the, you know, workout world or whatever. So it's <laughs> funny that, uh,
1: yeah, I think, I think uh, we could triangulate Bruce, Bruce Springsteen's house somewhere halfway between yours and wherever Brian Fallon grew up in. <laughs> right, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. And so that's, that's an interesting thing. Red Bank Rehearsal Studio is a, I mean, is it, it's infamous i guess for being not a great place <laughs> a lot of music's come in and out of there so so the stories of practice spaces is something that could be told uh for sure in the same way a lot you, of history yeah the same way you could talk about small venues or like you know the new brunswick basements uh rehearsal spaces whether it's red bank rehearsal uh, a hot Dog House in Asbury Park. There's a few others, especially in central and northern New Jersey, that I'm less familiar with. But it's sort of like yeah. this. <laughs> it kind of circles to this theory I have, Pete, that creative circles are much smaller than people think. You know, uh, a friend of mine asked a question, said, "Oh, how did how did so and so get this person's phone number to 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 call him?" And you know, I was like, "Oh, well, I mean." he makes music and that guy makes music so it's probably if it's not two steps it might even just be one step of connection to be able to do that and and i think it's a lot more common than people know for the the especially as you get older for the connection between a small artist and larger artist to not be dramatic, you know? So, so that doesn't surprise me given, given the fact that you've been in bands and done music for so long that, you know, I, I sort of assumed that you would have ran in circles with at least a few of the people who, uh, who ended up in this band in, in Gaslight Anthem. So they, yeah. but, but just for, for the basics, they were a New Brunswick band, for lack of a better term. Is that is that accurate? Are we comfortable
0: saying that? I don't know. Actually, I have no idea how. Like, like how they when it comes to, you know, yeah, well, well, in terms of like regionalism, like how they would you know identify in terms of New Jersey, I feel like they're a New Jersey band, and I'm not sure how you know when it comes to the specifics of where in New Jersey like where they would land. But okay, yeah, so I mean, here's, that sound, here's, that sounds right. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They identify as that because they did do the whole New Brunswick thing. And for someone who's listening to this podcast who's not from New Jersey, New Brunswick is a very specific place. Um, it is, you know, for all intents and purposes, it is the center of New Jersey. It is where Rutgers University's main campuses, uh, which is, I mean, is it fair to say it's the largest school in New Jersey? I think
0: it is. I think it is. Yeah.
1: And it's also, you know, it's a 35, 40-minute train ride into New York City. Uh, There are a lot of young people who live there. It is a hub for commuters. It's a hub for people who are just there. Outside of the university, though, there's not an awful lot going on in New Brunswick. It's not like some shopping destination. There's some bars that are all like college bars, essentially. There's not much of, you know, and and let me be clear. If you're somebody new in New Brunswick and you think I'm totally wrong and I don't know about the the new eateries, please excuse me. But historically, the place you went to eat in New Brunswick was like the the what are they the uh, the grease trucks grease trucks. There you go, which are food trucks that have been around forever that served sandwiches that had every kind of thing in it. So be like, yeah, I'm gonna get the fat jimmy which has two hamburgers a chicken fingers french fries lettuce tomato falafel and maybe some mozzarella sticks so um yeah i want a sandwich for whatever five bucks
0: five bucks you challenge your friends to eat two of them you know you'd stay up late at night you know not being able to sleep too much food feeling terrible yeah
1: yeah it's been a long time since i've had a sandwich from the grease trucks uh I, i
0: don't even know that they still exist i mean i think they do but they might be. They're, They're definitely be really a separate different, area, right? Yeah. It's,
1: it's a very different thing. So, anyways, the one thing that New Brunswick has had, and I think this is a fair way to put it, is that almost out of necessity and sheer boredom and desperation, an odd underground music scene exists, and it's somewhere in between punk music, indie rock. Alt rock, bands trying to make it, bands trying to get to New York, lo-fi, every kind of thing you can think of. It's essentially the triple A to Brooklyn. Um, and it's kind of fascinating. And and like to step away from any sort of personal feelings, it's pretty cool that it exists. And, you know, the basement scene there has always been well, always, since the nineties at the very least, has been thriving. And it's so interesting how it's evolved because They hit the point where essentially all these basements needed to have code words and code names so that they didn't shut down because these were completely off the books events happening. Um, And I know for a fact Gaslight Anthem was a band who played many of these types of gigs. Uh, So it's really cool. And I, I do think I think they are, if not from New Brunswick by pure location, they were a part of that world enough so that you could call them a band from New Brunswick. Um, yeah, definitely. That sounds right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so before they were in Gaslight Anthem, I know that the drummer was in a band. Oh, what was it? Low End Theory. Okay. Who, who you know, is it fair to call them pop punk? I've actually never heard them. Oh, okay.
0: I, 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 I know of them. I've actually never listened to them either, though. I don't Maybe know if it's fair. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to have to do that. Because <laughs> uh, I'm can't. Yeah. You know, i going on 20-year-old fumes on this one. But I f- vaguely remember them kind of circling in the uh, midtown type scene. And if, if I'm incorrect about that, please someone correct me. But they were there. Um, apparently, some of them were in a band directly before Gaslight Anthem called This Charming Man. Um, a reference, Smith's reference, I'm assuming. So, um so, yeah, we will say they're from New Brunswick. Is there anything like you can add to that New Brunswick experience? Because that, that certainly shaped my initial impression of the Gaslight Anthem and like thinking about them coming from that world sort of started putting them in this triangulation where I could say, OK, all right, I can see some of where this is coming from.
0: Yeah, it definitely felt relatable in that way, where I, you know, could imagine seeing this band at a certain time. It actually made me want to, and you know, we'll get into the details of the album soon. But um, this was definitely a, a bigger record. It felt more produced. It felt more professional. I'm now curious, actually, to go back to that first album that I did not listen to, right? Because I feel like that would be something that would really resonate me with me in the way that, like. You know, I definitely saw bands like that, you know, and and familiar with that scene in New Brunswick at the time. You know, I mean, um, I was actually I was not living in New Jersey at the time that Gaslight Anthem kind of became big and stuff. So um, I was absent for that, but I was definitely there and very involved, you know, right before that. So um, the, the history of it, definitely the through line makes sense to me. You know, I can hear it.
1: I was also not living in New Jersey at this time, Um, but I lived in New Brunswick. Man, starting to feel old here, but I moved out and moved to New Brunswick from, from the Jersey shore. uh, When I was 19, I guess in like 2001 and I lived there in 2002 and 2003 until I moved to California. And one of the things in doing kind of the homework for this episode and the story of this band and, and who they were and what their what their shows were like before this record and before they were kind of taking off felt super familiar because the sound on this record, and we're going to get there in, in extensive detail, reminded me so much of, of a couple of the guys I lived with who were kind of coming from this punk world obviously we're in rock bands and trying to do that, but we're trying to do something that was a little more accessible. Uh, They weren't, you know, and it's hard to say this. They weren't trying to sell their souls to the devil to be on a major label and and make a living with their guitar, but they were trying to go, but that would be kind of cool. Wouldn't it? Like if I could write music that I believed in and liked that also, paid the bills that also meant I was rocking giant stadiums, you know? Um, right. So, so there was a certain level with that that I was like, huh, I wonder how many of my ex roommates both love this band and to hate them because they cursed their name going, that should have been me. That should have yeah. been me. And I have a feeling There's definitely
0: a lot of them. those. It might still be playing New Brunswick bars right now. Well, so that's the other
1: side, right? Is that, that so there's the New Brunswick basement scene, and there's also, and it's not like they're separate, but there's a some bars, but they're not they're not like <laughs> what I would call notable places you'd want to play. They were basically like, I got this band and I, I'm trying to make it give it a go. Let's try to make this happen, and uh, you know that's a story. And it's like let's not make New Brunswick out to be something more than it is. If you've lived in a college town or near a college town or been to a college town, it's probably a lot like that. New Brunswick has a little bit more storied history because of that whole basement thing. That's pretty neat. And uh, maybe we'll get there sometime on like a a different kind of episode. But But there was a lot of young people trying to do stuff. And so that's something I've always been attracted to because it means, hey, there's something going on here as opposed to just, you know, a podunk suburban town. Um, So that's, you know, and I, I think given that there weren't, you know, before the Gaslight Anthem, it doesn't, it sounds like these guys were all doing music, but nothing that stuck. You know, there was, there was no bands that were like, oh yeah, I remember that name or I've heard that name or, hey, that was like, the low end theory is the only one that I'm like, oh yeah, I know that name. Everything else was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Never heard of it. With that said, to us from our perspective, it wasn't like this was some supergroup. There were not any heavy hitters coming in and like, "Hey, we're gonna, here's the new band." You know, um, this was not uh, the Traveling Willoughbys or you know, or what is it?
0: Traveling Willberries.
1: Traveling yeah. Willberries. Yeah, you can see where my brain is after teaching my six year old uh, kindergarten science today.
0: Um, I will say, just to start it off, though. Gaslight Anthem have might have more tracks in one album than the Traveling Wilburys had in their entire career.
1: I, isn't it a shame that Traveling Wilburys weren't better?
0: It really is. Like, because I actually I love all those dudes.
1: Right, same, same, and <clears throat> like a total sucker for a few of them. And even at that time period, like of their careers, I think some of them were still doing, if not brilliant, certainly worthwhile work and for some reason it's uh it's like the the weird math equation where two rights don't two rights make a wrong you know (laughs) so um, i mean
0: it's like it's it's too many good songwriters just being like you know I got this throwaway track. Let's just like, I'll give it to Paul and see what, or give it to, uh, you know, George and see what he can do with it, right? Like, yeah. Oh, um, who do you think? I think they're all, I think they're all saving their good stuff for their own albums, which, like, that makes sense, but it's just a bummer that they couldn't collaborate and make it better, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's kind of. That's the story of a supergroup. It's not that different than like an all-star team in sports, you know. They're not going to get together and go, "Okay guys, let's let's practice for 6 months. Let's work <laughs> this out. Let's figure out who's going to do what. You know, George you're going to be quality control when something doesn't sound good, you're going to go, "Nah, let's cut that." You know, I was going to ask, "Who do you think ran quality control? Who was the filter in that band?" And the answer is probably fucking no one. Nobody. Yeah, it's just hey, do you got this song? Hey, you do one, you do this one. You know that riff you were doing? I was kind of messing. Around. Oh, okay, let's all work on this one song. All right, we're good. There we go. Go yeah.
0: maybe. Uh, all right, I'm going to say this. Maybe Roy Orbison, because oh. the first album is better than the second album. So. Oh yeah, this yes,
1: the second album precipitous drop off, big yeah, big huge drop off. And yes, and I think I agree with you that there's more tracks on this record. So yeah, before you listen to this did you have any preconceived notions any assumptions leading into it whether it was about the band or the record or what it was going to sound like or or any kind of prejudices against it or or things that were like going for it any positives or like hey i think i'm going to kind of lean into this
0: um so i definitely didn't think it would be like totally in my lane you know, I, I thought that it would sound like, and I think you actually mentioned this in the last episode and we agreed, but I think I thought it would sound like Bruce Springsteen coming from the basements of New Brunswick or something. So it was like kind of a like darkness on the edge of town era, Bruce, like, but you know, with kind of a grittier feel to it. Um, that's what I thought it would sound like. And that's kind of where I, felt it ended up actually. So I feel like that was right. Um, I didn't really expect to love it, which, you know, I, I don't really think it's in my lane. It's something that I'm familiar with and that I definitely liked, but, um, the, the, I definitely understand the appeal, you know, like there were songs that had, they definitely had hooks and they definitely had, you know, uh, verses and choruses that i could imagine, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people singing every word to, you know. So, um right. that's definitely what i thought about it going in and it it basically proved to be exactly what i thought it would be, which is not a diss in any way. It's just, you know, just everything i had heard about the band, kind of the the image of the band that i had seen, the photos of them that i had seen, the vibe, you know, it uh it basically was, you know, more or less what i expected it to be. Um it was the dude, they can write, you know, or I guess it's Brian Fallon. Sure. The dude yeah. can write a track, you know. I mean, he, he he definitely knows how to put pen to paper. He definitely knows how to write a song. So, um, yeah. What did you think? Okay. Or what did you yeah, think going on? my in?
1: assumptions? Okay. Yeah. And this is a good way as people listen to kind of get to know us and think about this. I was very afraid that this record was going to be super corny. Yeah, um, I was afraid I was seeing greaser cosplay. When I see a guy, look <laughs> if I see a person wearing a leather jacket and a white t-shirt, I am so sorry. That's where I lean, um, and that's a prejudice. That's a that's a presumption. That's not fair because I have now looked at a lot of photos of Gaslight Anthem, and I don't think there's any kind of weird necessary like cosplay. You know, I don't think they were like on some weird shit. I was thinking, I was like, okay, all you hear about this band is Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if this is what everyone says, is it, am I going to be like, I don't think so. Or is it going to be so on the nose that I don't, it doesn't appeal. Or like we've talked about, is this going to be Bruce Springsteen over basement of New Brunswick? uh faux rock and you know those were some of the things i was thinking going in you know fair or not um so with that i i don't know if i hadn't now i've heard it but before i heard the record i assumed that there was gonna be some real lull and that when i think of bruce springsteen his hits are hits and, and he's got a couple records that are great, but he also has some real, he has some moments, especially in the middles of his records where there's low energy. And I was like, I wonder if we're going to, if I'm going to feel a sag in the energy, I wonder if they're going to try to lean into this kind of the darker side of Americana where it slows down and it's supposed to be soulful. And when it's, great it is but when it doesn't hit the mark it just can kind of be flat uh so that was some of my worries and i wasn't sure if they were going to do that i wasn't sure where where i was going to fall in terms of the energy on the record and as a whole what about you
0: so you're not a lucky town era bruce springsteen fan i imagine uh no no i'm not (laughs) fair enough um yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm i not sure. I mean, I I, I I thought that there would be kind of energy throughout. Um, I definitely know what you're saying when you say, you know, when you talk about their look, you know, the the leather jacket. That That's something that was not really attractive to me. It didn't really make me want to check them out. And um, let's be
1: real. That's not fair.
0: It's but definitely not is, fair. Yeah. But
1: that is real. So it's worth saying. And... Uh, You know, everyone
0: chooses everyone chooses an aesthetic, right? So I mean, you know that you're like you're you as a band, you decide what you're putting out into the world, right? And you know, you know that certain people are going to buy into that really quickly, and other people might take some convincing. um, Try it, and some people are going to
1: buy it. Some people aren't going to care. Some people are going to care too much. Um, Yeah.
0: I definitely think it's unfair. I think we care too much. You know, I, I know it's that true. I care too much. We definitely much, fall
1: but, into that bucket. Um, so, yeah. apologies at large. That said, kind of pivoting to the sound, your assumption that there was going to be energy throughout, I think that proved to be true. I think this record, yeah. you know, to start talking about the sound, um, I don't think I could say enough positive things about the overall energy at which the record carries itself. Um, yeah. Pretty consistently from Jump there there is a, a high level of energy and you can feel that in the recording, you can feel that in the production, but you can feel that in the songwriting too. I think if there's anything that I would say has punk roots, it's that the uh, the kind of the level of energy and pace that the record kind of goes by at has that kind of punk feeling, despite the fact that I think sound wise songwriting that's about it in the punk box for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels, the album feels super hungry to me. Like it sounds like dudes in a room who have been working at it for a while and kind of understand that this is like a big opportunity for them and want to get it right. You know? And yes. I think, you know, given their career trajectory, they did, but, um, Oh yeah. You can, you you can feel kind of the pressure that they were feeling on themselves to like, you know, put put together the best collection of songs that they could. And I think they did a really good job at it.
1: I know for myself, <clears throat> desperation in my rock band's songwriting is always important. You know, I think, you know, when, when Bruce said, um, they say you got to stay hungry and baby, I'm just about starving tonight. I felt that right? You know, as the kids say, I felt that, uh, when you yeah. hear that in, in songs, when you hear that in records, that that's important to me. Um, give me your, your elevator pitch on this. What is, what does Gaslight Anthem, the 59 sound, sound
0: like? I mean, you know, I actually, at the, I, I hate to repeat myself, but I do think that it falls into that Bruce category. Um, I think that it sounds like an edgier Bruce Springsteen, you know, like coming out of a different time, you know, f- with different influences. Um, I actually, and I was I was going to save this for later, but I actually think it colors my whole kind of perspective of this album. I really see the whole album as pastiche. And I don't even mean that as like a diss in any way, but like a pastiche meaning like they're imitating a variety of styles in like a really obvious way and like celebrating those influences, right? Like that would be like the literal definition. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well put. Great word.
0: Like they, they know exactly what they want to sound like. They know exactly what they're going for. They're, they're using very, very obvious reference points. I mean, like they, I think they referenced, they referenced Tom Petty like four times in this album you know um, it's not
1: more yeah i mean yeah. yeah we'll get to some of the references that are very obvious in a way that even casual music listeners should be picking up on
0: yeah um, but like that's cool you know what i mean like any any band that you know pretends not to be influenced by things are obviously lying i mean everybody has been listening to certain things it colors you know the way that you write songs it's just a matter of you know how much you're going to admit um to those influences right so like i think that the Gaslight anthem you know whatever whoever's decision it was you know in all this was thinking to themselves like this is this is what we want to sound like this is what we want to go for and i think they they did it really well um some people might not like i guess the amount of like obvious influences that are there and i know that they've had um just you know not to go too deep too quick but i know that they talked a lot and in their press about, you know, the comparisons to Bruce Springsteen and all that stuff. Um which I think, you know, it seems like at different points in their career they they liked it sometimes more than they liked it other times. Um and I totally get that. You know, like when you're when you're writing your own songs, you don't want to constantly be compared to, you know, a single artists.
1: especially a single reference point.
0: Yeah. I mean that has to get grading, I imagine, but at the same time like the influences are definitely there, you know? Um, and I, again, I think that's totally okay. And I think they do a good job at it, but, um, that was my, that was my big feeling on it was just like, it was, it was a really, it was a celebration of like everything they came up on and everything they were into. Um, and I think they kind of synthesized it in, in a really into a great record.
1: I, Agree and disagree on a few different spots. So let me hit it. One, the Bruce Springsteen thing, I get it. But maybe this is the contrarian in me who's heard it so many times that I feel it. I think I feel it a bit in that desperation in the songwriting. The best Bruce Springsteen songs feel strained, feel pulled, feels like he's just pouring himself out. And I, I do hear a lot of that on this record. Musically, though, musically, this this maybe it's the production, maybe it's the time frame, maybe it's just a lot of these other things. But but I'm putting this record somewhere between Jimmy World and the Killers. Um that said, your comment on Pastiche is so on the nose because I think these guys are referencing classic American rock. Um, and classic Americana type stuff in this way that is like, okay, we're citing things going back to the roots of rock and roll type things, as well as all the way into nineties alt rock, you know?
0: Yeah. So definitely. that's this
1: kind of way. And like, clearly the Springsteen thing is in there like 100%. It's a, it's a strain of their DNA, but, but when I listen to the music, I go, what would this sound like? And I'll ask you this question. What would this sound like if there was a different singer on it? Would we be making the Springsteen comparisons even half as much?
0: That's actually a good question. Um, I mean, part of the Springsteen thing for me too was, you know, some of the production choices actually like the slap back on the vocals, you know, like meaning yep. like the, the, the major echo effect that was going on on the vocals throughout the whole album. 100%. Like, I listened to the first song and I was like, interesting production choice, you know, for the first song. And then it was on for the whole album, you know, and that's like, that's Glory Day's Bruce vocals, you know. So mm-hmm. um, that was one of the things where, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just actually how the band sounds, but it's actually, you know, production choices that were made as well that reminded me of him, which is, you know, I... I really didn't want to compare them to Bruce because I, I mean, same thing as you. No, that's I know. I I, I,
1: I no, it's it's so hard though because I'm saying I don't hear the Bruce. You hear the Bruce. You hear Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. But I feel like so much of that is in the vocal, which makes sense because that's what makes that dude so unique. You know, when we talk about these, the great voices of uh, of music. Let's say not just rock music, but but music. Um, Bruce Springsteen is pretty singular he has his own thing and there's a few tendencies that that is. I thank you for calling out that production because that's dead on Like I wouldn't have pointed that out but that's exactly what it is um, and even in the way he has tumbling vocal pieces where it feels like the words are falling out of his mouth and they're going like this and then it leads into the <laughs> next and that's also a Bruce Springsteen thing and he's not the only person who does that you know um, oh, of course, but his cadence leads in leans into it,
0: in uh, like I think it's also so, sorry, go ahead. Go, go, go. No, for me, I mean, it was also just a matter of the lyrics themselves. You know, like I'm I'm a big lyric guy. I think like since I was a kid, I always like pull out the lyric sheet and kind of you know see what what the band is all about, and that's always been a really important element of it for me. Um, and for these guys, it was it was really obvious from from kind of the, the start that. Um, you know, I I actually didn't do my homework. I think Brian Fallon writes all the lyrics, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, if he doesn't, I apologize. But, um, it seems like he writes a lot of songs from different perspectives, right? So it's not just, you know, his life experience. He's actually trying to take, you know, the experience of other people and, you know, write songs from that perspective. Um, and I think that's something that Bruce Springsteen is actually like, you know, he, he excelled at. at it throughout his career. Yeah, so I mean, for me, that was something too. Where you know, I think in the first song there were references to his ex-wife, yep. and I was like, "How old is this guy? Does he have an ex-wife? You know, like, is this real?" You know, so like throughout yeah. the whole album, I was questioning like, "What's his perspective and what's other people's perspective?" Is there right? anything
1: that we could call Bruce Springsteen that hits more on the note lyrically speaking than an everyman storyteller? Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's
1: very grounded. There. are tangible elements that are intertwined into it that are designed for it to feel immediately relatable. Uh, I think that uh, Mr. Fallon uh, is pulling on the same strings and the same kind of conventions lyrically and it works and he's clever and he's, you know, I wanted to hold the conversation about references, but even that, Um, A big element, and this actually, here we go, circling back to New Jersey. I briefly lived with a fella who wrote commercials and wrote jingles. And I remember vividly sitting in my room, and he was probably four years older than me, which when you're 19 or 20, a 24 or 25-year-old, they might as well be 40. Um, They feel, you know, well, you're not my dad, but you could be like my weird uncle. Uh, But I remember him vividly playing... You know, a Third Eye Blind song, Gin Blossoms, these weird alt rock songs, backwards, forwards, changing one thing, full on Milli Vanilli, like dun, 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 you know, because and it was something that I talked to him about. He's like, look, I won't just use this this song, but what I'm trying to do or find the parts of it, the elements that I can pull or mirror or invert that when someone hears them, it'll be immediately familiar because people like things that are familiar. And that is something that I think plays really well in this record, uh, especially lyrically. <clears throat> There's, you know, what is the, uh, the song High Lonesome? That's two thirds of the way through the record makes very overt references and i mean there's a lot like like we can go through this it's counting crows tom petty springsteen bob dylan tom waits sam cook wilson pickett bob seeger cash Cash, like so on so on so on you can literally think about what this band what this lyricist record collection looks like based on some of these references um but i remember in that song high lonesome because I, i like the counting crows but it's been a minute and he pulls lyrics the uh Maria came to Nashville with a suitcase in her hand, and I, it caught me. The song caught me in that way that I'm like, I know this. What is this? What is he talking? What is this song? And I started having to do it through my he- head with the rest of. The, and then I it clicked. I'm like, Oh, Counting Crows. Okay. Um,
0: I didn't even catch that one. I'm oh. a Counting Crows fan. That's cool. Right.
1: Oh, and if you go, he he pulls another line from the same song. So, um, um. Uh, I've, I kind of always wish I looked like Elvis, you know, right. also in that same song. So he, he's pulling on these things that immediately bring the listener in. And I think that's actually a really cool thing on this record. Um, I think it's a, you know, it's not fair to call it a trick of the trade because most people can't pull this off without it being corny. So let me start, you know, my salvo here saying, I don't think this record is corny. And I think people who didn't listen to it or who might be from a certain background might think that music could be corny. And I don't think it is. I actually found it really warm, high energy. Uh, I I made those comparisons. I think it's somewhere sonically, like just the songs, if you pull the vocals off, it to me could be somewhere between Jimmy World and The Killers. And it makes sense when you think about the register of it. But I really enjoyed it. And I think vocally, he was doing enough on his own, too, that it wasn't just impression. It wasn't cosplay. It wasn't just uh, um, homage. It was... Pastiche is a cool word for it because that isn't... Someone could try to take that and twist that as a negative. But I'm here to tell you that When you said that, Pete, I don't hear any negative tone about it. I hear that appreciation where someone takes a lot of things they love and repurpose and and make this, you know, sort of beautiful collage. Um, And 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 even more so than that, they're not gluing and taping scraps of paper here. They're putting together songs that are bringing to mind things they love. So um, so that's I, I actually was surprisingly engaged with this record um so i enjoyed it but i was also engaged with it and i think a few of those reasons are one the activity of listening to a record to talk about it but two because of some of this stuff like the lyrical content i was really pulled in
0: yeah yeah i mean i kept it definitely kept me engaged it definitely kept me wanting to know kind of what was coming going to come next because i think that they they did a good job of um you know the pastiche thing was definitely, again, it was, it was, it was, it's a compliment. I mean, a, a million bands have tried to do what Gaslight Anthem did on this album and failed horribly, you know. Um, Gaslight Anthem did a really great job of taking what they love, putting it in an album, but then putting their own spin on it. And it obviously had resonance, you know, people liked it. Um, and even, you know, I listened to the song, the 59 sound just before we started recording, just to kind of as a refresher, cause I listened to the album a few days ago mm-hmm. and I was like, this fucking song is catchy. This is a good song. Like I might even come back to this, you know? So although, you know, I said before, even it's not in my lane, like it's not in my lane, but like it doesn't change the fact that these are good songs that I might put on a playlist at some point, you know?
1: Right. So, so here's my question for you because I probably agree. It doesn't, it's not something that's, uh, hitting a soft spot for me. What is, what makes this record not in your lane? Cause I have my answer, but.
0: So I don't, it's, that's a really tough question to answer. Um, it's just, I think, I think I'll say this. Um, had I heard this record 10 or 15 years ago, it probably would have been in my lane. Um, but this is just not the genre that I kind of go to at this point. It's mm-hmm. not the kind of album that I'd listen to over and over at this point. Right. Um, I think, I think if I was 25, um, you know, going to shows in New Brunswick or like involved in the Jersey scene or, you know, at that point, right. um, I think I, I definitely could have caught wind of this and like been a Gaslight Anthem super fan. Um, but you know, we were ships passing in the night. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, I just, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, it's not for me at this moment, I guess I should say, you no, know, like uh, I could, I could definitely see myself getting into it further at, at, at different eras of my life. So
1: I cited that this isn't corny. I actually appreciate the sound, et cetera. The productions are a little clean for me for this style of stuff, but that's that's like a personal preference. When I listen to this, I'm like, "This is great. This is this is a cool record." Um, I typically gravitate to stuff that's a little grittier. Uh, but that said, I could see myself going back to this, and I, I plan to because I, I want this exercise to, especially when look, we're going to do a lot of episodes where we're very familiar with the music, but this one we wanted to do something that we're not. So with this, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed it and. It's definitely not something that would be in my go-to. However, the quality of it is like really impressive. Um, I have a few questions for you that are a little off script. You ready? Sure.
0: Okay. Yeah, let's go for it.
1: So we noted Springsteen. You, you, you say Gaslight Anthem, 59 sound. Oh, like Bruce Springsteen for now. Bah. Um, the <laughs> other thing I heard...
0: That has to suck to hear. So you know, suck. (laughs) You know, uh, it's. I feel for him.
1: I feel for him too, and it's. So, anyways, I I think they they've done very well, and I think they're they're plenty fine. They don't need us to say, "Hey, we feel bad that you get compared to Bruce Springsteen." They probably go, "Yo, it's it's actually pretty fine, man. Don't worry." Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. The other thing depending I read, depending on the inter- depending on the interview, I've I've read a bunch of interviews, and depending on the era, I think they have different answers. You know, we like, so, sometimes they're really grateful for it, and other times they're like, "Fucking calm down about the Bruce Springsteen thing," you know. So I so, totally get it.
1: Yeah. So the other one is punk, and I think it's yeah. interesting. I actually, I uh, will recommend to people who are listening to this because they love the Gaslight Anthem. If you haven't read it, The Ringer uh, Robert Mays wrote a really good oral history. Um, put together a really good oral history maybe we should say on the 59 sound and about them leading up and going doing the recording all that fun stuff and it really paints them as this like punk band and it's my understanding of that term is a little different however in the way that the oral history is framed i'm like okay i see what you're going for this was a band who was making no money this was a band who was playing to you know sometimes 20 people when they'd go tour you know, I, I think that's a reality a lot of people don't always know is that for a rock band, anytime, you know, really anytime, but but especially in the modern era, if you're going on tour and not a lot of people know you and you aren't necessarily part of some deeply niche subgenre music scene, you don't necessarily have a built-in crowd. So if you play to 20 people in Jacksonville, you're grateful for those 20 people. Um, so I think that was a really well done history, but it kind of kept going punk, 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 punk. The record is released on side one dummy, which is, you know, for lack of a better term, a punk record label. They've done records for flogging Molly, uh, the, the band title fight. If someone's familiar, a lot of different stuff. Um, you could put them loosely in the same world as something like epitaph or, um you know that, that that's probably a good comparison for someone who's not as familiar the the guys who started that label Joe Sib and Billy Arms Bill Armstrong Joe Sib was in a couple of punk bands wax and then he was in a band I was more familiar with 22 Jacks so that said is this a punk record to you
0: um no the influences are obviously there. You know, like when you say that it's, you know, it sounds like Jimmy U World, somewhere between Jimmy U World and The Killers to you. For me, I actually, I take that kind of further into the punk world where I would say it's, it sounds like something between like Hot Order Music and like early Foo Fighters.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's you know, I think we're shining because I do flashlights. F- that's good.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But like, I, I just, I, I feel like there's, when I think Jimmy Eat World, I think like super production. And when I think Killers, I think like high, high production. So like, for me, it's like bring it down a notch a little bit in terms okay. of that, you know? Sure, sure. Um, but that being said, you know, um, I think the spirit in spirit it's a punk record and sound it is not a punk record in right. sound it's 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 more um it's more of like you know a, a rock and roll record essentially
1: yeah i um i say it's not a punk record and i mean that in the best possible way because i don't want to disparage it or you know here's the thing i feel like i could give this to my mom and she might be able to enjoy it But if I was like, hey, check out this punk record, a lot of people might not be able to. Um, Is that how you pitch music to your mom? Whenever I'm giving my mom (laughs) records, yeah, no. um, (laughs) I buy her the James Taylor um, Christmas CD and and she's happy.
0: Right, exactly. Um, Yeah.
1: This is not punk musically to me. There's a little bit of that energy. We talked about desperation, we talked about how high uh, energy it feels. Like it's an up tempo record. And it really doesn't come down too hard ever, and I I, I almost I'm very curious about their follow up because I'm curious if they're like, all right, guys, let's let's change it up, let's let's kind of add some flavor here. Just just kind of speculation as as I haven't heard this, but that's often how it goes. This record feels a lot like a <sighs> soft alt you know, post grunge Americana rock record to me. Yeah. You know, I I think all the references, all the citations they make show that these are really deep music fans. These are guys who went to the school of music and really were into it and really like a lot of different stuff as kind of noted. And they're probably coming from the punk world. And if that's anything that I was taught from, getting into music through a more underground subculture world was was it made me appreciate music at large much more so so i think that's kind of thing and like if you were to put the gaslight anthem into a genre rock and roll is the one
0: yeah absolutely um i think that you know i'm I'm actually looking through my notes right now too and like some of the references like miles davis you know i mean there were there are so many, you know, going on. It's just, it's, it's such deep, it's, well, I mean, and you said it, but American rock record, like it's very, very, very American, which I think is actually an interesting distinction um, because, you know, there's like zero European influence. And that's, that's yeah. where I think too, like, like with the Bruce Springsteen thing, like I think one of the reasons that Bruce Springsteen is so admired internationally is because, it's so American. Like it's not something that can come from Spain. It's not something that can come from England. It's not something that can come from, you know, anywhere else. Um, And I think that based on what I read, at least, you know, Gaslight Anthem found that same sort of kind of international fanfare. And I think that that, that same rule applies there, right. Where it's like, it's so like specifically American and intentionally American, you know, where, um, I think that's cool. I mean, you know, they so, did a good job with it.
1: I think it's really cool and you saying that made me think one uh the prevalence of Britpop as an influence on music uh of the last 15 or 20 years. It's it's it
0: Yeah, Britpop right.
1: Britpop of the 90s and then if you go to like the uh the the big British music scenes of the the 80s that have just like super saturated almost everything subculturally here. Um, yeah, like, right. From, 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 you know, the indie rock to new wave to no wave to fucking dance music to everything. It's, it's there's a lot of that British influence. Um, but it made me think of the fact that this is kind of an uptempo record. They could have gone clash on this really easily and they don't. Yeah. And that song yeah, I mean, is a reference I'd say, yo, they they steer, they tread that line and don't go there in a way that I would almost ask them, like, did you have to intentionally lean away from certain, you know, uh structures or or, or like, you know, tricks of the trade to stay away from that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you said you're curious about the the next record, and I said I'm curious about the first record. I'm it's really it's interesting to listen to this album kind of in a vacuum, you know, without oh. that context. Because for it. like for for all I know, the first record sounds like the Clash and then they kind of paired it back a little bit and the next record sounds like the killers. Like I have no idea, right? But right. I'm definitely I'm definitely curious to see um, where they took that because it does seem like, you know, the reason we chose this record is because apparently this is like the, the album, you know, right. So, yeah. So, Um, so it's, it's, it's curious to me, like, what about this was like the perfect kind of pairing of those things, you know, like they took, they took a bit of punk, they took a bit of rock, they took a bit of Americana and they kind of combined it perfectly. So, So, yeah.
1: I have another, another question here. I promise there's not too many.
0: No, it's fine. Go for it.
1: If you're going by age and thinking about, you know, who was who were the rock bands who were supposed to be the next big thing in the early 2000s, the early part of 2000 to 2005, the Strokes, you know, the that whole kind of wave of of. All the the bands, the the bands, yeah, the, the brave the Stills, the Kills, the bravery, all that stuff. The vibes, um, yeah. Yep. Yes. The this kind of lo fi ink, you know, for lack of a better term, it's like we have major label budgets and are working on in big studios, but we're going to make it sound like we recorded in our garage. Um, we're going to yeah. make this sound like a late seventies power pop thing, or try, but. Um, after that ship came and went, I don't know. I mean, this record never gotten the love that something like uh, Is This It got or anything from that early era in a public way. But but I think that there might have been a craving for something different or something new to come along um, in terms of a, a rock record that's palatable to a, a larger audience. Do you think this could have filled that void for a lot of people who are looking for something that they could appreciate that was now, but that also had that kind of nostalgia vibe, these kind of references, stuff that made it feel really familiar?
0: So, had this come out, just so I understand correctly, so had this come out kind of at that time? No,
1: this comes out in the wave. This comes out, what, 2008 or 2009? I believe 2009.
0: Yeah, I think 2000. Yeah.
1: Two thousand nine. Um, oh no, two thousand eight. Correct. Uh, to correct myself, summer two thousand eight. Did this come out in a way, um, like, for people who had gone through this stuff? People who like guitar music, people who like rock music, but aren't necessarily knee deep in in some sub genre. So they they're the casual listener, you know.
0: Right. Right.
1: Could this have been? Something that felt fresh and new to them, given what had just gone through, for lack of a better term, mainstream rock music for the past decade before it. You know what I mean? If yeah. You think about that.
0: I definitely think so. I mean, I, I think that um, I love the Strokes. At least, I, I let me actually clarify. I love the first Strokes album. It's fantastic. It's it's just a
1: very good record. It's a great record.
0: It's a great record. But, but that being said, it's really unemotional. It's totally detached. It's like, it's like alcoholic cocaine addict music where like, it's just like, you're so, you're, you're, you're so deep in whatever your vice is that you actually like have no feeling for other people. Like that's, that's actually like what that album sounds like to me. And it's in the best way. Like, I mean, it's like in the spirit of like the Velvet Underground where, you know, I'm not sure that, uh, Lou Reed really gave a shit about anybody. Right. And I think uh, that like yeah. shows the word of music, but that being said, like too much of that stuff and too much of that sort of like, like too cool for school, like vibe will definitely get tired. And I think that by the time this album comes along, that stuff was pretty tired and, you know, there's definitely, you know, More of an emotional, like like there's more of a human feel to this album, where it's like the guy's wearing his heart on the sleeve, regardless of whether he's making references that are his own or taking the perspective of other people. Like you actually you feel that, you know, and you, you, um, I don't know, I
1: I, yeah, regardless of whether
0: regardless of whether you even relate to it, like you can probably sing along to it and have a good time with it, you know. So um I think it definitely probably filled filled a void like that. And whether you came from punk or not, you know, I think that it was something that was lacking in rock music at the time. I imagine.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lack of pretense with this and, and I should use this as a way to circle back to my comments of like my presumptions that there was an element of cosplay or like, uh, you know, um, fucking Fonzie dress up shit here. Um, yeah. When you actually listen to the music, you can see why so many people really, really attach themselves not just to this band, but this record specifically, because it does. It, it lacks pretense. It feels very emotional. It feels it feels pretty vulnerable. It feels very hard on the sleeve. And I think that that's something people appreciate, especially in, in rock music. Now, it doesn't mean it always lands. Um, just in the same way as people appreciate actual human emotion, if someone is bawling their eyes out, many people's first instinct is to look away or get out of the room. You know what I mean? So that's a line that has to be tread lightly. And I think they did very well on this record because the other side of this to me is when something comes off as too emotional or too vulnerable or too much, whatever, and they don't go there. Um, But in the same, like I, I also really appreciate that first strokes record, but it is distant and it feels removed and detached and you know a critic could say aloof um but that could be said for lots of great things so i'm not mad at that i do think this felt like a breath of fresh air and i'm surprised that it um that it didn't get bigger if i can be totally honest like i actually when i listen to this i go oh this feels like it hits a lot of chords that could have gone very big at different points in time and Make no mistake, this band's done very well for themselves. I'm sure more than a couple houses have been been have been bought and sold on the backs of, of this recording and their work as a band. So kudos. Uh, much praise. But at the same time, this is a band who it's like, wow, they they feel like they could have been even even bigger if they hit at the right exact moment, you know? Yeah. This is an album, by the way. There's a couple singles for sure, but you can listen to this whole record straight through and not feel like, all right, skip, 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 eject.
0: Absolutely. It's definitely an album. I mean, like, one of the things, you know, taking a step back, you know, the premise for this entire podcast is because I think, you know, I'm an album guy. You're an album guy. We yeah. both appreciate albums. We appreciate the way that songs are structured and, you know, their placement and the way that they're placed together and why they're placed together that way. Um these guys very clearly appreciate that as well. Um you know, you listen to a lot of albums nowadays and a lot of the time I'll like I look if I watch and I'm like fuck like there's like 10 songs left i'm on i'm on song nine you know like what is going on and why is this song an hour and a or why is this album an hour and a half long you know yeah it's Um, it's like
1: oh we're just gonna take as many stabs at this as we can 19 songs sure hopefully we get three hits
0: right exactly we're bound to make a spotify playlist with like 25 songs on this album um but yeah i mean this 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 as an album it was it was it was really well well played you
1: know. Okay, question.
0: Yeah.
1: Who is the target demographic for this record? Um, and that's to I say really it, to the uninitiated, uh, target demographic, the people that this record is for, um, because I think this is a fun question. Go ahead.
0: It's, and again, I don't mean this with any mean spirit whatsoever. I just, I think, I think it's for anyone in their twenties who is curious about music and curious about literature. Um, There are a lot of literary references here. There are a lot of, um, you know, like deep historic musical references here. Um, I think, you know, you obviously have to have some interest in rock and roll. um, But I think that there's, it's one of those albums that you can go go back to and you're going to catch references over and over you know, like there was a Tom Robbins reference, um, even cowgirls got the blues, right? Like that might be a song for someone initially. And then they're like, Oh, that was a Tom Robbins book. I'm going to read that book, you know? And then it brings them into this whole other world from there, you know? So um, I think it's, it's, it's definitely like candy for the, for the curious listener. If, if, if you're, if you're looking to get references out of that. And I, I say, I say people in the twenties, which is, you know, again, I don't mean to diss anybody. It's just I feel like people are generally generally more curious in their twenties than they are in their, you know, teens or thirties. You know, it's <sighs>
1: such a shame. I would say because uh, I agree with you. And it's just it's just to pull it out to that. It's such a shame because losing curiosity is a sign of, uh, sign of something. Sign of boredom, um, or yeah. lack of interest, and that's such a shame. Um, I think. I would extend this. I I think for somebody in their 20s, for sure, you should hear this record and um, it probably speaks to you. Uh, If you go to a small college town, you will definitely appreciate this. If you are a bored teen or 20-something in suburbia, you will certainly appreciate this. I would also extend this to people in their 30s who are looking for something new and they like rock music. And they just need something new with a little bit of get up and go for them because of all those references we're talking about. I do think that Tom Petty references might be lost on most people under the age of 35. I do yeah. think even beyond that, like Bob Seeger, Bob Dylan, you know, all these other things are going to be lost on some people. But for those people who it is, this might be a thrill. Uh, additionally, people who are looking, people who are into, American rock music should hear this and people who are curious about it. And that could be kind of anyone. I thought this was a very broad appeal record and there's going to be plenty of people um, who it's like, Oh, that was cool. I'm good. But there might be some people who haven't heard this record who really attach themselves to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I thought to myself too, um, while I was listening to it, that, um, a big distinction for me with music has always been how it's done live. Mm. Um, and I was reading a lot about them, you know, at the time and how they were playing. And I, I I read, I think that, um, the tour, actually the initial tour for this album was them opening up for, um, the alkaline trio rise against and thrice. So they were first on a four band bill, which, you know, just so just so everyone understands, nobody sees your band when you play first on a four band bill, especially a a bill that's stacked, right? Like where I know that Rise Against were big at the time, I know that Alkaline Trio were big at the time, I know that Thrice were big at the time, you know, I know that Gaslight Anthem were hyped, but they hadn't like reached that crest yet, right? So like um and apparently, you know, like the stories that uh, that I was reading about one of the alkaline trio guys went up to um one of the gaslight anthem guys in the band at the time and was like hey down the road will you guys take us on tour which like <laughs> which, to, which which to me like signifies like they were going at it so hard and like and like so hungry that those other like more established bands at the time kind of recognized that like this band is going to take us over. It's only a matter of time, you
1: know, which is impressive Um, to say. And, and exactly what you, you said about this. You're the opening band on a four band bill of that caliber playing that size venues. You're likely playing, you know, I want to say 30 minutes after doors, but we'll be fair and say an hour after doors. And that means you're not at half capacity in most places. And,
0: you're lucky if you're at half capacity,
1: yeah. And it's something that's kind of if you are unfamiliar. There's the term opening for Slayer. Um, there's a few bands now. Rise Against isn't one of those, thankfully. And and like big credit to a band like that, or even bands like Thrice who do it as well. Their fans are are people who tend to check out the bands who their band uh, who the headliner brings on tour with them. But there's other opportunities, situations like Slayer. People who go to see the you know who went. R.I.P. Slayer who went to see Slayer were there to see Slayer and your band, whatever, it could be a Slayer knockoff. It could be the best new metal band that's ever existed. It could be the best threat. It could be anything that's incredible that these people would absolutely love has the Slayer stamp of approval. However, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The people want to see Slayer, get the fuck off the stage. Uh, major credit to a band like Castle anthem doing that because that's you know I, I think it's interesting to think about their journey um because this is a band who was doing the hey we're touring and playing to almost nobody but we're trying to go at it and and f- from what I understand it was that attitude and energy put into the live show that that kind of got them really put on radar for side one dummy which obviously led to the the release of this record
0: absolutely yeah so it's one of those things that makes me think to myself like you know i wish that i had seen them at that time because it would put it in a different context for me you know
1: yeah absolutely absolutely is so um okay uh what i would ask you is are there any records that you would recommend so we said who we would recommend this record to are there any records that, if somebody who's listening to this, who already loves Gaslight Anthem, um, is there a specific record or or band you would recommend for them to check out if they heard and love Gaslight Anthem? Um, hey, if you like this, you should check out this.
0: Um, it's not it's not a direct connection, but I w- the first thing that came to my mind is Hot Water Music.
1: I was gonna say you mentioned uh, them. I think that's a, a. It's not analogous musically, but I think if you like this record, you should check out Hot Water Music.
0: Yeah, it 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 comes from actually. I mean, it comes from a similar world. Um, I think the influences are different, but I think that um, a lot of the just the the feel of it. Uh, you know, the, the lyrics, um, kind of the emotional, um, you know, the emotional parts of it are, are similar. Right. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that someone could definitely appreciate it specifically. I would recommend maybe caution or, um, a flight in a crash. I think people would like they yeah. like, uh, this album.
1: And I, I would note that Chris Woolard, who's also in hot water music, uh, did some additional vocals on this record. And I think he was involved a little more than that as well. So,
0: um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Which, did you know that Dick, Dickie Barrett did guest vocals? I on did. This? That was one of the funny oh, little,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that's a voice that's kind of unmistakable too. So, um,
0: I heard that voice and I had to just, I went immediately into the credits credits and was like, Oh, okay. You
1: know, yeah, that's it. All right, so, uh, that that's the 59 sound. You got anything else on it?
0: um, I think I'm good. I, I I did think that it was interesting um, how they, you know, again, like it took about a year for them to really get recognized for the album. And it wasn't until kind of Hyde Park and Glastonbury when they had that actual Bruce experience where Bruce played a song with them and Brian Fallon played a song with Bruce. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden yeah, the record you know, doubles in sales like that. Like basically. record blows up. Everything's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, again, like, um, I hate to be that on the nose about the influences and I hate to even even give credit to Bruce for their success because it's definitely deserved regardless, you know. But I think that um, it's little moments like that that are interesting, you know, where um, like it would have been a shame if this album had been, you know, just swept under the rug and like not recognized at the time. Um, so had things played out differently, I'm curious, you know, what the trajectory would have been.
1: Agree. Um, So two questions that I brought up on the zero, episode zero. Is this record good? Is this well played? Yes. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Like you can't... Everything everything is very solid.
0: No, I mean, listen, you could be a total hater and like you can't deny that this is like... Like, even if you think it's a bad genre, like it's the best of a bad genre, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't care what your, what your, uh, you know, critique might be. I think it's, they're definitely very good at what they do because a million bands have tried to do this and, you know, not many of them succeed. And they, I, I think they definitely succeeded.
1: Absolutely. Um, and did you like this? Yeah. Me too. I was, yeah, again I, I mean, was very pleasantly surprised not surprised surprise is the wrong word it's not fair I was not sure and I was happy uh, I'm happy to report I enjoyed this record
0: yeah I mean I uh, I think that it uh, it accomplished everything it set out to do I think that it was it was a really good record start to finish I think that um, it it made me ask questions, you know, which is something that an album kind of rarely does, right? Where it's like, I wonder what the album before this sounds like, and I wonder what they did after. Like, it's it's definitely a band that had potential, and it made me curious about that. Which, like, dude, I mean, you know, most bands you hear a song and you're like, do I want to see what comes next? Right. You know, so
1: it's it's, to- it's it's a yeah, sink or swim on one song. And,
0: yeah so to sit through like a 40 40 minute album and like really think about you know like what they've done and where they're going uh they definitely you know it's a good album they one accomplished of, one what of the they highest I do with it.
1: Give is that if you listen to it you went oh i wonder what everything else sounds like
0: yeah for sure
1: so with that said 59 sound we're we're we're, we're with you, thank you. <laughs> the gaslight anthem and uh we'll kind of who knows? This may or may not be our final stamp on this. Maybe we'll revisit this conversation uh, here, there, or sometime else. Um, for now, for sure.
0: There are a lot. There are a lot of gaslight anthem albums. So we'll yeah, see. That's true.
1: For now, um, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are we doing for our next record?
0: So I think that you know, I'm thinking of eras. I'm thinking of decades. You know, we we just did. Cast on Anthem, that's obviously the 2000s. Yep. Um, going into the 2010s. Maybe we bring it back to the 90s. Um, because that's, you know, an era that both of us kind of grew up in. Sure. Familiar with too. Sure did. Um, what if we talk about the band Monster Magnet? Oh,
1: wow. Okay. Let's do it.
0: Um, I think that for the, for the Deep Heads, the album would be, Um, Spine of God but I think we can cover that at a later date I think we should go with the bigger album which was Dopes to Infinity
1: yeah okay I think Dopes to Infinity is the way to go Um, yeah alright so leading into this Monster Magnet a you know hard rock kinda not space rock but like Heavy,
0: definitely. I would see. I, I think they would, I think, I think they would prefer to be called Space Rock. And oh, no. I think that, I mean, think like that's
1: probably, yeah, you know, what's fantastic on this is some of the references. Um, for, for my peeps out there who enjoy comic books, uh, the second song is called Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Um, that's, <laughs> um uh, I'll discuss that next week a bit this is a big band um sort of locals to the jersey shore which is fucking cool and uh i think it's completely overlooked um but it hits our wheelhouse i think this is one that has a lot of opportunity and it's been a minute i've heard this record many times but it's been a while so i'm excited to uh dive back in
0: yeah yeah i'm a fan um and but to be honest, you know, this was never my go-to. My go-to, um, I heard, I heard them initially through Beavis and Butthead,
1: <laughs>
0: um, which I think was a lot of people's first introductions to them, probably. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I was always a big fan of Super Judge and Spine of God, which are the first two albums.
1: Yeah, Super Judge. Um, is one I think of when I picture a record in my head, it's Super Judge. But why don't we do um,
0: Dopes to Infinity? Just yeah. I think
1: that might be the easiest in for this band, maybe.
0: I think that's where we start yeah. for sure. Yeah,
1: fuck yeah, I'm excited about this. All right, so cool. uh, everyone, um, thank you for checking us out. Pete, I think we have socials and an email. Is that correct?
0: We do. Um, it is at. It came from NJ Pod um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us. And the email is email is it came from njpod at gmail.com
1: feel free to shoot us a line any of those places throw us a follow we'll try to make it interesting and fun um, and yeah the more you engage the more we'll be able to uh, have deeper conversations that's kind of what we're here for um
0: Pete yeah I mean ultimately, ultimately we'd love to be hearing from you know everyone out there on anything that you guys would like us to talk about because ultimately you know I mean there are only so many albums from New Jersey. there are a lot of them, but you know um, obviously we want to be talking about what you guys are what you guys are curious about hearing. So yeah. let us know.
1: All right. thanks, Pete. We'll talk soon.
0: Okay.